Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. I was just saying this right before we started recording. Episode 19, Doc, of the uh, the Rising Champions podcast. Of course, I'm Kyle Bogie. We've got Dr. Jason Nabetsky here of the Champion Mindset Group. Incredible that we're already almost to 20, which will be another milestone for us. Time flies when you're having fun, man. It really does. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited about this interview. I, I think there's a good blend of someone who is a very successful athlete uh, who is now transitioning into the world of coaching. And I think impressing upon young athletes and young student athletes in particular, what it takes to be successful, not only on the ice in this instance, but, you know, obviously off the ice. So really, really great conversation uh, with Morgan Stacy, uh, former collegiate hockey player, now a college hockey coach uh, mm-hmm. with big time aspirations, as you'll hear in that conversation coming up. But, you know, Doc, one of the things that, that kind of stood out to me is, you know, there's this, idea that to be an accomplished athlete or to be a successful person in sports, you have to be the most talented. And I I think that that is just complete hogwash. I I think you need to have the right attitude. I think you need to work hard. I think you need to be intense and focused on what you're trying to do. And, you know, as, as someone who wasn't very talented at all, when, when it came to sports, I mean, I was all right. You know, I was cut in seventh grade. I was cut in eighth grade from, you know, the basketball team. And I was shipped from the A team to the B team, right? Mm. And the A team had this older coach who I didn't think was very good. No one really thought he was very good. And the B team had this young coach who was very intense. It made us work hard, you know, kind of empowered me on that team. And I do think that that set me up for the rest of my life, you know, because Mm -hmm. I went on into ninth grade and I was right there on the bubble again, you know, basketball tryouts. I was like the 16th guy. And, you know, I was trying to fight for that last 15th roster spot. And it came down to one final sprint, one final suicide in the tryout. And I must've beat everyone by two or three court lengths because Mm -hmm. I just, I I felt like I wanted it. And he took a chance on me. I, I was added to the team and I ended up playing four years of high school basketball, ended up being a captain by my senior year. I think there's a lot that can be said for working hard, being intense, having the right attitude, going through some adversity, working through that and, and persevering. That, that's such a powerful message because kids these days want to just be told you're great and you're awesome and you're never going to experience failure. And that's, that's just not how the world works. No, that's really well said. What a great story of showing a perseverance on your behalf as well. I think coaches – have such a large impact on young people more than ever before uh, these days, because you're right. There's so much in this world about not allowing your kids to feel failure, which I think is a huge mistake by a lot of parents. These kids need to feel the pressure, need to experience failure and setbacks and be told the truth about what they need to do. Not that they're not good enough, but Hey, this is what you need to do if you want something. And it won't. So that's totally uh, what we impress at Champion Mindset Group is to be honest with your your young athletes, so they're not slapped in the face later when a coach says, uh, "No, you're cut." And then that kid goes home and says, "Mom, you used, you told me I was the best player in the school. Well, you're the best player in our eyes, <laughs> but that's not good enough." So yeah, I think being honest, truthful, and laying out a plan 
for what they need to do to have the success that they want. And I think you'll hear that from Morgan. I mean, her story of, you know, being a small, smaller player, uh, being a walk-on, becoming a captain, becoming a coach. Um, she's going to go on and do amazing things. Well, and that's also somebody too, who is perfect to be leading younger people. Somebody yeah. who's gone through that, you know, because it's, Life is not easy. You know, being a student athlete is not easy. Getting into the real world is not easy. So to have somebody who understands that and can kind of be somebody for these, these student athletes to lean on, you know, with, with Coach Morgan, I, I think is huge. I mean, that's just – it's so beneficial that she can kind of, you know, kick these kids in the, in the butt a little bit to get going, understanding that, that, that she's going to be able to get the best out of them, and, and ultimately that's going to benefit them so much down the line. Yeah, you know what it is about her? She's relatable. Because I think what you see at the pro ranks is you see coaches that were like Morgan, that were the, the, fifth, the sixth or seventh guy off the bench in basketball, or the utility player in baseball, or the backup catcher in baseball. There's obviously some great coaches that have been great players as well. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes those players that have that immense talent and, and, and it, in a way, quote, kind of came easier for them. They're not as relatable as a coach because they don't know how to explain it and teach it. Where people that actually had to work hard and persevere through really difficult times, again, not saying that those other players didn't, but mm -hmm. I think they get it a little bit more and they're certainly more relatable to those up and coming players. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Those are my favorite stories as well. And uh, I, I think Morgan has a little bit of her Brooks uh, in her as well, the old, uh, you know, U.S. Uh, Olympic hockey coach, because, you know, that that's one of the things that she would, you know, love to do. And she played against some Olympians in college. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can see down the line her being a coach potentially that's, uh, you know, leading Team USA or at least being a part of the staff, whatever it may be, that uh, it really speaks to it. So uh, a really – Great interview. Um, we, we can just get straight to it if you want. Morgan Stacy uh, from Commerce, Michigan, collegiate hockey coach uh, just outside of Chicago. Okay, so Morgan, this is uh, really exciting. And I actually have a personal fascination with somebody who went from being a player. No, I, I didn't play in college, but played high school sports and transitioned to coaching immediately. And that was something I was really passionate about and, and ultimately wanted to do, even though I didn't end up going down that path. But I, I guess to start, Along the lines of you making the decision to go from player to coaching, where did that come from? And I guess how long did it take to, to establish that that was what you were going to pursue? Yeah, um, I think I knew I wanted to be a coach from a pretty early age. Um, I, I always say that once I realized I probably wasn't going to make it to the Olympics as, a, as an athlete, as an ice hockey player, I figured I could do it as a coach. Um, I wasn't the best player, but sometimes, you know, coaches um, aren't the best players, but they understand the game from a different side. So um, I wanted to keep, stay involved with the game and coaching was a great opportunity to continue to do that. Yeah, that's great. So Morgan, first, welcome to the show. Uh, we're really excited to have you on as well. Um, you know, this show is all about interviewing and learning from what we call rising champions. And you have been a rising champion and now you are coaching rising champions as well. So let's backtrack a little bit to when you and I started working together a couple of years ago and talk to us a little bit about some of the reasons why you sought someone like me out and what were some of the main things that really helped kind of get you over a hump? 
Yeah, so uh, I started working with uh, Dr. Jason um, between my junior and senior years of college. Um, I went from being a walk-on at Mercyhurst to uh, a scholarship and uh, a captain during my sophomore season. So I was a captain my sophomore and junior years, and um, I had a lot of a lot of trouble uh, uh, with my performance um, during my junior year. You know, um, there's a lot more uh, pressure and expectation for performance as, as a captain, as an, as an upperclassman. And my junior year, I really struggled on and off the ice. And um, I had actually gotten to a point where I didn't know if I wanted to continue to play hockey. I wasn't having fun. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a fun place to be at the rink. Um, and I knew that wasn't me. So um, I was working as hard as I could physically. So I decided, you know, I need to improve the mental side of my game. This is, this is what I'm struggling the most with. Um, so I reached out to Dr. Jason during, during my summer between my, uh, my junior and senior seasons. And we really kind of dove into the heart of the issues, um, which were uh, my confidence, uh, my belief in myself, rediscovering that passion and love for the game. And um, I think one thing we really emphasized was the identity statement um, Mm -hmm. and and who I was and rediscovering who I was on and off the ice and finding some truths about myself as an athlete that I could hold on to even when I was struggling on the ice or even when I couldn't control what was going on, who was I um, as an athlete and, and how could I how could I vocalize that? How could I tie that into imagery and visualization? Um, those were some of the key things that I think we really worked on that helped a lot throughout my senior year. Yeah, and this is a, a topic that doesn't come up enough, I think, on this show is the, the concept of self-image and identity. And so, Kyle, what we talked about a lot was it's really important to understand who you are as an athlete um, because your self-belief and how you see yourself is going to dictate how you perform and how you behave. And without knowing who you are as an athlete, the kind of athlete you want to be, um, the kind of athlete you've been, um, then you just don't know how to perform and how to act and make decisions. So once you have that detailed, and we called it an identity statement, and we crafted one that uh, Morgan told us off the air that she could probably still recite uh, at this point. And and that really gives us um, what I call a filter, a filter for decision-making. Like, what would that person in that identity statement do right now in this situation? How would, they re- how would they rebound from a bad shift or a bad day or a bad game? Or how would they prepare for an upcoming game? How would that person think about a particular situation? So, Morgan, maybe go into a little more detail about how that identity statement helped you out. Yeah, I think especially as you continue to, to you know, achieve more and, and move into higher levels in the game, like you're not going to have coaches who are always going to pump you up or always going to be like, you're the best player ever. You're, you're this, you're that, right? They have, they have other things to worry about. So you have to find within yourself who you are and be able to, to articulate that and, and use that in a game. So I think for me, my identity statement was, was really important um, in terms of going into a hockey game and saying, you know, regardless of how I, how I perform, whether I make mistakes because I will or how the game goes with things I can't control, whether that's refs or bad bounces, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to play. These are my non-negotiables, right? Mm. I'm going to be high energy. I'm going to be the hardest competitor on the ice because those are things that I can control. Um, so for me, I think that helps kind of quiet my mind and bring me into a place of focus where I don't have to make 50 plays on the ice. The only thing I do, I have to do is, is be high energy and be competitive. And I can do those two things. I know that. So I think for me, like the idea to quiet your mind and to give you certain things you can focus on and control, um, was really helpful, 
uh, throughout my senior year. It's interesting that, uh, you know, you mentioned being a captain and the responsibility, I think, that, that kind of comes with that. Being an upperclassman, being a captain, um, you know, I can speak from small potatoes, high school, you know, athletics, and, and I had the opportunity to be a captain when I was a senior one time. And I, you know, I wasn't the best player in the world, but, you know, along those lines, it was, okay, you can lead by example, you can be intense, you can be competitive, you can just bring it. But oftentimes when you do that and you're trying to be a leader, you almost forget about making sure that you're okay and you're locked in and you're doing everything that you need to do. There's a lot of expectation that goes into being a captain and taking that very seriously. I just, I'd be curious to know, you know, was that a transition for you? Was that something that, that was, you almost struggled with to figure out how you could handle yourself while also trying to make sure that you were leading the team? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think back, especially to my freshman year as a walk-on, as somebody who wasn't even a scholarship player, probably projected as the worst kid on the team, right? When I get <laughs> on the ice, there's no expectations for me there. Um, and, and playing with the most freedom and probably the best I had ever played as that freshman walk-on to moving to, you know, being a captain and having these expectations for performance on the ice, for ex expectations to lead my teammates, expectations to, you know, interact with referees and do other off-ice obligations. Um, and while continuing to grow as an athlete, and I think that's, that's a lot to manage. And I look back and sometimes I'm like, wow, that really just threw me into that. Um, so I think the mental, the mental side of the game is so important there because it is something we can control and um, emphasizing that like takes you to the next level, I think. So Morgan, tell us a little bit about the type of player you were on the ice. Cause I know you're pretty well known for certain aspects of the game. Yeah, um, I definitely was not the most skilled player ever. Um, I would say I'm the hardest worker all the time, the biggest competitor all of the time. And I think probably what you're alluding to is I really like to block shots. Um, <laughs> Which is crazy during, in my mind. <laughs> during my junior year, I think I led the NCAA for men's and women's in total shot blocks. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> which, yeah, so that was kind of my identity as a player. And, right. Um, you know, that's good. But at the same time, that's, that's challenging to have your identity be as a shot blocker, if you want to be something more than that, or what happens if you miss a shot, uh, like a shot block. So um, I love blocking shots. It's still a passion, still love to teach it as a coach. Um, but that's just all heart, I think so. And so from what I understand, you know, Mercyhurst had a great program. Tell us a little bit about the success of the program you were in. Yeah, so they're a perennial powerhouse. They're located in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I think they won like close to 15 league championships in a row. They've been to the final four, probably four times. They've been in the national tournament, you know, 10 plus years. Um, while I was there, we won our league twice. We went to the NCAA tournament twice. We lost to Wisconsin and Clarkson. Um, so they always are a top 10 team, which is pretty impressive being a small, small school in Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oftentimes it comes up with my athletes of overthinking a big game. And so I thought this would be interesting because you played in lots of regular season games, but had lots of experience in championship level opportunities like, you know, being in the final four and things like that. How did you manage your emotions when it was a regular game versus like, Hey, this is really important. This is a big game. Yeah, obviously, I think the biggest thing for me was just how to handle pressure, how to handle those nerves, because I think, you know, the, the nerves you have when you're playing in front of a sold out crowd as an 18 year old and you're playing against Wisconsin, which that team went on to have probably five Olympians on it. Mm -hmm. um, those nerves were much higher than when we were playing, um, you know, just a just a league opponent or a non-conference game at home with, you know, 500 fans. So, um 
I think for me, uh, learning to handle pressure and learning to, to get locked in as soon as possible, right? You're going to have one or two shifts where you're nervous. That just means you care. Everyone has butterflies, but how at some point do you turn off those nerves and just play and just mm-hmm. let whatever happens happens? Um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing when you're playing in those pressure games. How do you, you know, people say you can't even hear the crowd, right? So um, how do you get to that point of flow um, where you're just playing and the game's coming naturally and you're not even thinking, you know, if we win this game, we're going to the national championship. If we lose, we're going home, right? How do we just play? Yeah. And that comes up a lot, you know, where we kind of tag that as one of the uncontrollables. It's It's a big game. Well, I always ask the question back and I probably ask to you, is are the rules of hockey any different between a championship game and a regular season game? And you kind of probably looked at me blank eyed, like, what are you talking about? Like, well, the rules are the same, right? Well, let's just go out there and play. You can't control if it's called championship or not. It's, it's hockey. Let's go out there and do your job. Let's be high energy. Let's block shots. And that's, I think, how you get into the flow as well. Yeah. And I think just to add on to that as well, especially as, as you progress into the end of the season, like you've prepared for that moment. And so be confident in that preparation that you're there for a reason and you've worked for, you know, if we're playing in February, we started playing as a team together in August. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing more that we could have done or we needed to do like that. We were there in that moment and just play. You were, you're, you can be confident in your preparation, I think is something I wish I had embraced a little bit more. Now you can see why she's going to be a great coach, Kyle. Oh, 100%. And we need more great coaches out there. But you kind of glossed over something. I just want to revisit it. You know, you're the king of, of stopping pucks and, and getting in front. In all honesty, how bad does that hurt? Okay, I never played hockey, I, I, but I've I got to believe those are painful. Um. Yeah, like it hurts. It does hurt, but it <laughs> definitely hurts way more when you watch it go by you and it's in the back of your net. Like I know Fair. it's cliche, but it's so true. So like you get so hyped and there's so much energy off a big block shot. Like I can remember I blocked four four in a row against Minnesota during my senior year at home, you know, and the, the fans are just so hyped up and everyone's going crazy. So um, I've broken a few shin pads. I've broken a bone in my foot and my thumb from teammates shooting pucks at me and non-teammates. So so how do you, I guess, you know, it's fascinating to me because we're in this society where, you know, you, you can't coach kids maybe as hard as, you know, we got coached potentially when we were younger or even, you know, Doc, when you were, uh, you know, younger as well. How do you bring that out of somebody, you know, somebody who might not be that, that tough person that is willing to just dive in front of a puck or whatever? How do you practice that and get them to a point where it just becomes natural and it's something that they embrace? I think a, a big part of that is wanting to do what you have to do for your teammates, right? So if I can get a player who maybe is the most skilled player on my team to recognize that they need to get in the lane to block a shot for us to win this game and that if they do that, they're, they're helping all of their teammates, right? If they can buy into that team, team first, like mindset, I think that's a big part. And, you know, if I tell a kid, this is what I need you to do, they're going to be much more likely to want to do it, right? To help me, to help, to help their teammates, to do their job. Um, So I think that's something that I try to emphasize is buy into the the team aspect of the game, that this is part of what we need to do to win. And, you know, if we're going to be a team first program, you need to get on board with that. Talk to us a little bit more about some of the other mental training that we did. And we talked about, uh, you know, you created a a vision board. Um, We talked about visualization and concentration. I'm just curious how much of that mental training piece off the ice impacted your performance on the ice. 
Yeah, um, I love vision boards. They're something that really work for me. Um, There's something I enjoy creating. There's something I enjoy thinking about, you know, my goals, what do I want to achieve being creative? Um, and, and, you know, making the vision board, I think is awesome. Um, and then having that visual representation right in front of you every morning, I like to put them right on my mirror. Um, so I can see them when I'm brushing my teeth. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm getting ready for the day, they're right there. Um, I think that's probably the, the second biggest tool that I use behind the identity statement. Um, mm. I would also say I really, really like the uh, concentration grids. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have, I'm thinking a million thoughts a minute um, and it's very hard for me to be present and to be focused. But like when we would do the, the concentration grids together, you're looking for numbers from zero to 100 and you're crossing them off. The only way you're going to find the next one is if you're thinking about the next one. Um, so for me, those concentration grids really are a powerful tool to just get, get present before a game to do them, you know, whether it's before you go to the rink when you're at the rink, but to get present and to be in the moment, I think those were super helpful for me and something I continue to use with my athletes now. Oh, that's great. And for those of you that don't know, uh, a concentration grid is basically a matrix of 100 boxes labeled 00 to 99 or 1 to 100 that you are timed and you have to cross off one at a, one at a time in sequential order without skipping, without holding any fingers on a future numbers. And so you really do have to be in the present and the competition of it is you're being timed and you're always trying to beat your time from before. So there's a competition aspect and there's a pressure aspect. And then as uh, Morgan says, it keeps you in the present moment. It's a good practice for keeping you present. So and, Morgan, oh, sorry, go ahead. Kyle. Please. And I was just going to, you know, touch on, you know, being a student athlete and, you know, some people will say, well, there's too much emphasis on sports and, you know, you should be putting more of your time in your studies and focusing on what you're going to do beyond uh, that life. But, you know, I think being an athlete and participating in sports, being a part of a team, um, it, I think it benefits you so much later in life. I, I just, I'd be curious to know how, because you're so busy when you're in college and you're, you're working out and you have games and you have practices and you have all of this going on, you know, basically finding that balance and also how much you think at this point, you know, all of that work and having to come part your time has benefit you at this point. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I think, um, being a student athlete is one of the best experiences you can have to, to serve you later on in life. Um, I'm probably the anomaly. Uh, I love school. I love learning. I'll go to school as long as I can. Um, so, so school was fun for me. Um, I, I really excelled. I actually got a 4.0 in college as a double hmm. major and a minor and playing division one hockey. So wow. um, <laughs> I found a, I found a way to balance the two, but um I really emphasize, like they say, they say you have three balls in life. There's, there's school, there's sports and there's, there's social life. And you have to figure out a way to juggle all three. Um, looking back, I wish I had, you know, emphasized maybe the social part a little bit more, but for me, I loved school. I loved, I loved studying. I loved learning. Um, and I loved hockey. So those were the two that I emphasized, um, you know, now coaching three teams, and having a lot on my plate, um, time management is something I'm, I'm pretty good at. And it's because I was a student athlete. I think student athletes typically are even better in school than non-athletes because they have to learn how to balance their time. They have to learn how to, to, to manage um, their time wisely and to, to make everything fit when you have workouts on ice, off ice, video. We're at the rink for five plus hours as a Division One athlete. Um, mm. so, so it's a grind, but I absolutely loved it and, and found a way to excel. Kyle, I'm so glad you brought that point up because I have a lot of my athletes, so they'll 
have a question if they want to play college sports because of the time. Mm-hmm. They feel like they won't have the ability to study as much as they can and things like that. So I think what Morgan said is spot on that it, it makes you better at it. And, and why not go for it and learn how to compartmentalize and manage your time a lot better. So that was a great, great you just insight. Have, you, you don't have time to slough off. You don't have time to, you know, I don't know, be lazy or anything like that. Like the busiest time in my life, you know, was, was several years ago and I had so much going on and I barely slept. I was sleeping in like three or four hour intervals. And that's when I was most productive. I, I was, I think at my best because you just, you just go. Like it's honestly, it's kind of like Bryson DeChambeau who just won the U.S. Open. He basically says, I don't take a day off because if I take a day off, then my body thinks, oh, well, we can relax. We don't have to do this. And it affects him. No, if you just go and you're constantly, you know, moving forward, I, I think that's huge. Morgan, so how are you then moving this into your coaching role now at Aurora? Yeah, so that's something I've been really excited to um, to work on with my athletes is the mental side of the game. I think for me growing up, there was never anything mental uh, in terms of mental performance brought into the game from coaches. Um, I don't I don't know that they didn't. They may have known what it was, but they didn't understand the importance or they didn't know how to teach it or they didn't want to bring in outside resources, which I think is fair, right? Not all coaches are equipped to teach uh, mental performance, but for mm-hmm. me, it's something I really want to equip my athletes with. Um, so uh, for my teams, we have a performance and preparation journal, um, which, ba- or well, binder basically, where we're going to go through all the different types of, of performance, uh, mental performance tools, kind of like what you have, um, but some additional stuff that I've used um, Mm -hmm. with them. So I always say, not everything's going to work for every player, but something will work for everyone, right? Like visualization may not work for everyone, but it's going to work for one kid in my locker room. Um, And it's going to work for them in terms of hockey and in terms of life. So that's why I think it's so important to give them these mental tools and basically help them build a mental toolkit. um, So that way they can use the skills during our game and we can be better as a team um, and we can communicate using the same language for mental performance. But also when they go into life and they're dealing with stressful jobs, or you know lots of family situations they can deal with those things as well using the exact same tools your team's going to be better for it for having you as a coach out there as well so you're coaching now but what's coming up next I mean is this the plan Uh, you want to stay in coaching you want to get to the Olympic level as a coach or what, what are your thoughts yeah, I would love to continue coaching. Um, I'm coaching at the Division Three level right now with Aurora University. Um, I absolutely love it. I work with an amazing staff. Um, we have an amazing group of girls. So I love working here um, and I hope to be here for a few more years. Um, my, my dream job would be to work for the University of Michigan. Um, ah. with for their their non-existent division one women's team for them there (laughs) Um, so next pet project will be getting a division one women's team at the university of michigan um which is in the works so that's the dream job and then just continue to follow follow my passion and see where it takes me whether that's in the game of sports whether that's in consulting in the business world um whether that's being you know a mom and having a family wherever that takes me you know i'm just going to continue to to follow my passion 
I, I love that, Doc, before you could even finish that question, Morgan was, you could tell, was just ready to answer. Just <laughs> knew exactly what, what she wanted and how she wanted to answer. That was great. Yeah, so I, well, I'm not, I'm not, I would not be surprised if she mentally prepared for this interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> because I can, I can attest to her ability to study uh, and not what kind of a student she was, because I would often mention to her, hey, I want you to check out this book. And she'd be like, I read it already. happened numerous times in our conversations so morgan uh can't thank you enough for coming on i think the young rising athletes and champions that that listen in especially the young girls are going to be completely inspired uh and be able to see that hey somebody else out there did it and i can do it too awesome yeah thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it um great to catch up with you and i'm super excited to see what you're doing um i know you helped me a lot so um i think you're you're awesome and you're, you're really helping a lot of athletes <laughs> thank so. you i appreciate that maybe i'll get you connected with some of my team soon enough sounds great perfect thank you for joining us great conversation here on the rising yeah. champions podcast thank you for listening to the rising champions podcast please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode